Welcome back to The Der Show. I'm uh, broadcasting once again from Israel. I'm here for just a couple more days and participating in a really interesting and important debate in Israel about the Israeli Supreme Court. It's the mirror image of what's happening in America. In the United States, the left wants to uh, cut back on the power and jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. Some people want to pack the court on the left. Some people want to have age limits or term limits. They don't like the fact that the Supreme Court is moving to the right. In Israel, it's exactly the opposite. It's the um, right that wants to curtail the Supreme Court because they think the Israel Supreme Court is moving uh, too much to the, to the left. Uh, it's in the nature of Supreme Courts and judicial review that half the people will always be upset with uh, the decisions of the court because uh, Supreme Courts are counter-majoritarian. They, they're not supposed to just reflect the will of the people. They're supposed to reflect the rule of law, and there's different interpretations as to what's the rule of law. But it's a fascinating uh, debate, and I've spoken about the issue with the Prime Minister of Israel, with the President of Israel, with uh, leading academics, legal officials, and I was in a conference today about it. But let's come back to the United States, actually, not only to the United States, but to but to Russia uh, as well. Uh, today, I want to talk about um, the exchange that occurred uh, after our last show last week um, between Brittany uh, uh, Griner, great, great WNBA superstar uh, basketball player, and um, this uh, merchant of death named Victor Bout, uh, who was uh, prosecuted and convicted uh, of selling arms uh, that were used to kill innocent people and sentenced to 25 years in, in prison. He actually served um, uh, about 40% of that before he was released. So it's not as if he was uh, released uh, after just six months. He served a considerable amount of time. And so did Reiner. I mean, she, she served not that much, but she served nine months or so before she was released. And of course, her crime wasn't really a crime. She um, may have brought in uh, some some vapes, uh, which had maybe a little bit of hashish. Um, you know, that, that's a slap on the wrist. And if she weren't a, a, an American um, WNBA superstar, she would have either been told to go home uh, or she would have gotten, you know, a week in prison or a month in prison or a fine. But obviously... Putin saw a hostage and he held her hostage and he wanted the release of this guy Bout or Boat, I don't know how you say his name. Um, and um, he got what he wanted. Now, everything's political in America and everything is partisan in America. And so Donald Trump announced yesterday that, that he had been offered the deal um, to let um, this guy Paul Whelan, uh, who was also in, in, in prison, this is before Brittany, uh, Griner was in prison. There was an American who was in prison for what seemed like a phony, phony charge. And the Russians offered to free him in exchange for the freeing about. And Trump said, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, I wouldn't have freed, um, um, you know, anybody for um, for that. Uh, the merchant of death deserves to stay in prison. So, you know, everything, everything becomes uh, partisan. So Whalen still uh, in, in prison. His family is seeking to have him released. Uh, Griner and others are pushing for his release. And there's another American in prison, a guy whose name is Mark Fogel, who was a school teacher. 
And he was arrested for very similar charges that Griner was arrested for, a tiny amount of marijuana uh, legal in the United States and not legal in uh, Russia. But again, he got, I think, a 14-year sentence or something like that. Clearly, he's being held a hostage. And the question is, uh, what trades will be taking place? Now, I have a lot of experience in this, uh, probably more experience than almost anybody. Um, I've arranged spy trades, uh, the, the most prominent of which, of course, was the great uh, uh, Anatoly Sharansky, Natan Sharansky. He was arrested on phony charges, spying for the United States, actually facing the death penalty. Um, I got um, persuaded Jimmy Carter, who was then president, to make a rare announcement um, that uh, which presidents don't make. They usually don't deny whether or not a person was a spy for America. But um, Jimmy Carter made a public announcement saying, no, he's, he's inquired deep into the CIA and he can represent for sure that Cheransky was not a spy, had no connection to the CIA, but the Soviets kept him there. Anyway, and um, <clears throat> then one day, uh, this is a really interesting story, one day uh, a professor from East Germany who was visiting, I don't remember, MIT or Harvard or Tufts, one of the major schools in the Boston area, got arrested um, for spying for um, East Germany, which meant, of course, the Soviet Union, uh, against the United States. And um, I got a call from uh, the East German spy trader. If you ever saw the film uh, Bridge of Spies, that's the guy. His name was Wolfgang Vogel, the guy I dealt with. And um, uh, he asked me to help him, his East German guy, get a lawyer. So I did. I, I got people I know who are excellent lawyers to represent this guy. And uh, that began a process which culminated in my going over to Europe, meeting with Wolfgang Vogel and arranging a trade in which uh, Sharansky was released. And um, so was the East German spy. Uh, when Sharansky made it back to America, he threw his arms around me. I had never met him. You know, he was arrested. I couldn't visit him in prison. They didn't allow that. Um, his mother and his wife asked me to represent him. And he threw his arms around me and he whispered in my ear, Baruch Matir Asurim the Hebrew meaning, blessed are those who help free the imprisoned. That was the, the biggest fee I ever got. In any case, I didn't charge him any money, obviously, but having him recite that blessing to me and seeing him go to Israel and, and become the father of two wonderful uh, children with his wonderful wife and then becoming part of the Israeli government now, being a, a big advocate of human rights, that's a thrill that no lawyer can 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 duplicate, uh, no matter what what clients you had, no matter how much money you might have made, a, a pro bono free case uh, on behalf of somebody like Natan Sharansky is is worth everything. And uh, so I'm experienced uh, with spy trading. Um, I was also involved in an effort to try to release Nelson Mandela. Uh, Mandela rejected that and said he wanted to be released not as part of a trade, but on his own terms. When um, the um, South African white apartheid government <clears throat> was ready to release him. And so he was a very brave man, Mandela, and, and, and was released. But uh, spy trading is unfortunately part of the reality. Um, 
you know, some countries like Israel and the United States say they won't ever trade, but they will. Um, you remember when a young Israeli soldier was captured, Gilad uh, Shalit? Um, he was traded um, for a thousand Hamas terrorists, prisoners. And he was traded by Benjamin Netanyahu, who's a really tough guy who's written books about terrorism. But, you know, when the parents of the kid who's in the army come to you crying um, and saying, please, you got to help my, my son out. Um, uh, or when the wife of, um, of uh, Brittany Griner comes to the White House and says, you have to let my wife out. Uh, it's very hard to resist those kinds of human requests. Uh, obviously, the brain and the heart operate in different directions. Uh, the brain generally says, no, you, you don't trade uh, uh, a person who is falsely convicted of a minor crime for a major merchant of death. You take the, the Trump position. That's, that's the mind position. Uh, the heart often points in a different direction. Uh, you have to save an American citizen who could be spending a long, long time in the gulag and uh, perhaps not even surviving because you know a lot of people die in the gulag. Uh, their uh, amount of food they give you and calories uh, are not designed for healthy living. So um, there you have it. But, you know, it, it doesn't come free. I, I understand what, what, what Biden did, and I agree with it. Um, it was the right decision. It was the only decision. We all wish he could have gotten Whalen. We wish he could have gotten Fogel. Uh, but he didn't. He couldn't. And he, he settled for what, for what he could get. And um, that's, that's important. Now, what does that mean for the future? Does it mean that every traveler going to Russia is at risk of being arrested? Uh, it certainly means if you go to Russia, do not bring any drugs, do not bring any marijuana. I went to Russia numerous times during the 1970s representing dissidents, and I was warned by the State Department over and over again, don't give them an excuse to uh, arrest you. Now, I can tell you here now that I didn't necessarily listen. I smuggled in a copy of the book Exodus, which I knew the Jewish community in Moscow and Leningrad wanted to read. And then when I left, I smuggled out a statement on a recording um, by a dissident who was about to be drafted into the army for 25 years, and he wanted to be able to come to America. And he made a statement, and I uh, recorded it uh, in the middle of a Tchaikovsky tape and stuck it in my briefcase and brought it back in it to the country. I, it was probably stupid. I could have easily been uh, arrested and, and held as, as a hostage. Um, but again, heart over, heart over mind. I, 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 I foolishly exposed myself. Fortunately, I wasn't caught. And... Um, and um, the, the book Exodus that I brought in was translated immediately and distributed throughout uh, Moscow and Leningrad as Samizdat, that is privately published um, <clears throat> material. And uh, a lot of people liked it and a lot of people uh, read it. Um, I was in the Soviet Union um, representing dissidents, um, two of them facing the death penalty, and I helped save their, their lives. Um, I, I went to the Vatican and, and uh, the Pope eventually appealed to the 
Soviet Union, as did the European Communist parties, and we ended up saving the lives of these two men who had committed a crime. They had hijacked an airplane, um, not in midair, but basically stolen an airplane that was about to take off. Uh, and it was loaded with uh, Jewish refuseniks who were trying to escape to uh, Sweden, but it was always going to be caught. The KGB was aware of it, and there was never any chance they could have escaped, but they were sentenced to death, and um, I, I helped, helped, helped save them. They both now live in Israel and uh, have had good, good lives. So, um, you know, these are, these are things that lawyers do. As you probably know, I do half my cases pro bono and a lot of them internationally. Um, and um, it's been uh, a real honor to represent uh, dissidents ranging from Vaclav Havel to uh, Anatoly Sharansky and to have participated at least in efforts to get um, Mandela out. Um, and I now, just today, um, help rescue somebody. I can't get into the details um, because not all of his family is out, but I, I met today a man that I helped get out of a very bad situation in a very bad part of the world. And so uh, we uh, we drank uh, a toast in, in, in my, my apartment that I borrowed in, in Jerusalem um, uh, and met with uh, some of the other people who were responsible for his release. You know, these are great moments. Um, he hugged me and, you know, told me how important it was for him to be in, in Israel. Uh, these are great moments. These are the things that you live for if you're a human rights lawyer or a civil liberties lawyer. And these are the kinds of things that, you know, help unite people instead of divide them. As I said, um, even the decision to release uh, a Griner is, is divisive um, because we know that it will just encourage the Russians to hold more hostages. It will just encourage other countries to do uh, the same uh, when terrorists are released uh, that just encourages terrorism. But uh, again, no country, no country that I'm aware of has ever really applied the policy of no, we will never negotiate with terrorists. They all say it, but they they don't do it. Um, and if one country started a long time ago and said, look, we know it's going to result in the sacrifice of some people, but we will not negotiate with terrorists. Uh, we will do what the Israeli government did uh, successfully at Entebbe um, and at um, Sabina Airlines. We will send in troops and kill the terrorists and rescue the, the hostages, of course, at Entebbe. We know that Benjamin Netanyahu's older brother, Yoni, was, was killed. And that was a, a tragic, tragic event for the Netanyahu family and for, for, for Israel. And in, in Bibi's new book, which he gave me a copy of and signed very nicely, uh, he tells the story in detail about how he learned of his brother's his heroic, heroic death. And he was the only uh, Israeli soldier killed in the rescue at Entebbe. And that was the policy of Israel for a long, long time. But eventually Israel succumbed and, and did what every other country uh, does. Um, uh, Germany did it uh, after the um, events in the, Olymp the Olympics. Uh, England has done it. Uh, France has done it. Um, the United States has done it. I know of no country that has adamantly stuck to the proposition that no, we will never under any circumstances uh, negotiate with, with terrorists. So again, 
the heart pushes in one direction, the mind pushes in another direction. I really congratulate um, uh, Ms. Greiner and um, can't wait to watch her get back in uniform and, and play her heart out. Uh, I don't think she'll be going back to Russia to play. You know, she got into this mess because in the off season, um, she went to Russia to play. And you'd think the Russians would appreciate the fact that one of the greatest uh, basketball players in, in, in women's sports, one of the greatest athletes in women's sports, would go to Russia. I don't think Russia's going to get a lot of um, athletes coming there to play in the off offseason. Um, First of all, a lot of people won't go to Russia now because of what it's doing in Ukraine. Uh, but second, you know, going to Russia these days, uh, you know, we don't know the full circumstances of Griner, but it's the easiest thing in the world to plant a little bit of marijuana in somebody's suitcase or a little bit of hashish in somebody's suitcase or a vape. Uh, takes no talent for law enforcement in, in Russia to do that. I'm not suggesting that happened here. I don't think it much matters. Um, but uh, even if you go there completely clean and 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 with no possibility of a crime, they could they could frame you, and frame ups happen. I know, I know, frame ups happen um, um, from um, my professional and personal experiences. So um, be careful about traveling to uh, Russia. Be careful to about traveling to. Other uh, tyrannical uh, regimes, I've traveled to all of them, uh, and, and uh, fortunately I've been lucky uh, so far. Um, don't know whether I'll be traveling to any of those countries again, but uh, at this age, 84, I'm, I'm not going to be carrying any uh, contraband or taking any chances. Could they slip something into my luggage? Of course, of course they could, but uh, you have to live your life. And... Uh, so, um, Brittany, welcome back home, and uh, congratulations to all the people who helped bring about this uh, wonderful reunion between Brittany and her wife, and between Brittany and her teammates, and I think uh, nobody should stop putting pressure on Russia to release uh, both Paul Fo Mark, Mark uh, Fogel and, um, and Paul Whelan. Uh, it's not going to be easy because um, uh, Germany has somebody that Russia wants, but uh, apparently the Germans won't release um, that person to save an American. Um, don't know whether they should or not. They released many people. Uh, as I said, again, the Munich Olympics, they immediately released uh, all the murderers, uh, practically before they were even in prison. Um, so Germany doesn't have a lot of standing to say we don't negotiate uh, prisoner releases, but what they're saying is we won't give up a German prisoner to help an American come back to America. That doesn't seem like a good uh, alliance um, uh, work. Uh, it, it seems to me Germany should cooperate with the United States. And if they can release somebody who's not a, a danger, I mean, I don't think you ever release somebody who poses a current danger. Um, uh, then, and they could do it and help bring about the release of two innocent people, uh, Mark Vogel and um, and Paul Whelan. That would be the right thing to do. So, we'll keep you up to date. Uh, I'm sure the United States government is very anxious to secure the release of these two others. Vogel hasn't been in the headlines very much. 
Um, uh, Whalen is in the headlines. And um, as you know, um, um, President Biden tried desperately to get him released, but uh, but it didn't work. So I'm interested in your views. Are, uh, are we going to divide along pro-Trump, pro-Biden lines? Are those of you who are uh, Trump supporters going to say Trump was right about this? And those of you who are Biden supporters say Biden was right about this? Or are you going to make up your own mind and, and ask yourself whether whether or not the United States should have released uh, Brittany Griner uh, in exchange for uh, a really bad guy who had already served, uh, to be sure, uh, um, um, much of his sentence, though not, not most of his sentence. So that's the question for today. And I'm interested in your answers or I'm interested in your comments. So let's now get to comments. Um, okay. I think it's disgusting that you are perpetrating the lie that Trump disparaged a disabled person. Hey, I saw it with my own two eyes, and so did many of you. You can go on YouTube, you can see the videotape, you can see what Trump did, what the reporter did, and you can make your own judgment about that happening. Second, it's a lie that Trump wants to get rid of the Constitution. This is no different than the same left-wing claptrap we've been hearing for years. My criticism of Trump is that his personal decisions have been atrocious, including having any affiliation with you, me. In other words, me successfully defending him in front of the United States Senate was a mistake, I guess, but having a meal with Kanye West and, and that other thug uh, was not a mistake. Look, if you're a... If you're a Trump always is right person, you're always going to come to those conclusions. If you're a person who says, look, I'm going to make up my own mind. Sometimes Trump is right and sometimes he's wrong. As you know, I praise Trump over and over again for the Ameri for the Abraham Accords, for recognizing uh, Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, for recognizing the, the Golan Heights as part of Israel. I praise him for things he's done unrelated to Israel. He did a great job on the economy. He did a much better job on foreign policy in many respects than, than, than Barack Obama. So I, I'm not one of these people who says everything Trump did was, was wrong or everything Trump did was right. I think a lot of things he did were wrong. A lot of things he did were right. I didn't vote for him. That's my prerogative. It's your prerogative to vote for him. But let's not, let's not call each other names. Um, here's a positive thing. It's, it's amazing. It's on Rumble. I never get positive notices on Rumble. Um, it says... I very much enjoyed your podcast, though I don't agree with a lot of your opinions. I find you honest, straightforward, and intelligent because of your demeanor, telling it as you see it, without attacking, insulting, or canceling people. I've attacked, insulted a few people. For a different train of thought, I have learned much about the subjects you discussed. Thank you for helping educate me about much I never would have known if I didn't start listening to your podcast. So that's very nice. So, you know, listen to my podcast, even if you disagree. And write me letters, even if you disagree. I will on occasion read the really nasty ones, but I'm getting more and more letters saying, please don't read the nasty ones. It just encourages the trolls and others to continue to um, uh, make nasty comments. And, and a lot of the viewers and readers are not interested in that. All right, here's one. What a loser. This is the backyard. I don't know what that means. That defended O.J. Simpson and said on national TV, that he lied to get Simpson off. Okay, this is Pewter Skull 67. 
I'll give you $1,000 for your favorite charity. I don't care if it's Hamas or it's uh, any right-wing organization. You get a thousand bucks cash if you can prove what you just said. It was a total lie. I never said on national television that I lied to get Simpson off because I didn't. Um, as you probably know, I was the appellate lawyer. I wasn't in court uh, except to argue uh, one or two motions. I didn't argue to the jury. Um, I never lied about O.J. Simpson, and I certainly never said on national television that I lied. And, and you compare me to Alex Jones, um, because you don't think Alex Jones should have been uh, found uh, liable for defaming uh, the poor parents whose kids were, were killed in school killings, which he said were not, were not real with fake. No, I don't think that comparison is an excellent. Stop spitting the BS. I haven't found any solid evidence that Trump wants to suspend the Constitution. What about his own words? What about his own words? Read his own words. Go online and read what he actually said. And you'll see that he was open to the possibility of, if there was so much fraud in an election, of suspending all the rules, even the rules of the Constitution. Okay, uh, let's see what else we have here today. This is an interesting one. He's probably right. Um, the economy will determine if Trump wins or not. That's simple. Tell me how the economy is doing in 2024, and I'll tell you who wins the presidency, Biden or Trump. Look, that goes back to James Carvel's advice to Bill Clinton. It's the economy, stupid, and it often is the economy, but not always. Um, not always. You know, it's interesting. We're seeing tremendous divisions around the world. We're seeing it uh, in the United States. People don't speak to each other. People in Martha's Vineyard, kids I got into college, won't speak to me because I defended Trump. We're seeing it in Israel where people won't speak to each other. We're seeing it in France and England. We're seeing it in Poland and Hungary. Uh, obviously, we're seeing it in, Pol in, in, in Russia. And, and, and the Ukraine. Um, and um, the, the economies are pretty good around the world. In most places, there is a, obviously too wide a disparity between the haves and the have-nots. But, you know, this is one of the first times that we've seen this kind of hatred spewed forth on both sides when the economy is not bad. I'm not saying the economy is great, but we're not in a depression uh, we don't have massive unemployment uh, and long lines. Uh, uh, we don't have massive inflation of the kind we had during Jimmy Carter's presidency. And yet people just won't talk to each other. And so I don't know whether it's going to be the economy. The economy will have a big impact. Now, you know, the economy uh, gives a big advantage to the incumbent because the incumbent can influence the economy, not to a large degree, but to, at least to a small degree. You can turn off the spigot, turn on the spigot, substitute a little bit of inflation for a little bit of recession. But there are manipulations that can be done, uh, especially during an election year, and that's something both parties uh, can do. So there are those who are saying that 2013 may be a bad year for the economy in order to prepare for 2014, being a good year for the economy so that uh, the incumbent uh, can be reelected if the incumbent runs. Um, any comment about the Twitter files? 
Yeah, I got a lot of comments about the Twitter files. First of all, I think that uh, Barry Weiss and the others are doing a great job in, in, in releasing the Twitter files. And, and, and I think that Elon Musk uh, has done a good thing for the country in, in releasing them. And I think this raises very, very serious questions. You know, Twitter and Facebook and all these other social media companies have a First Amendment right to decide what to put on and what not to put on. Government can't tell them what to censor or what to print. Uh, so they have a First Amendment right. But if that First Amendment right is being influenced by the government, which does not have a First Amendment power to censor most things, then what we're seeing is a circumvention of the First Amendment. We're seeing the government using its influence on the private media to effectuate censorship in a way that it couldn't do directly, but is doing indirectly. So uh, I, I would hope there'd be further inquiry into this, perhaps through lawsuits, perhaps through congressional hearings. It would be great. You know, our country doesn't have these commissions the way some countries have. Again, Israel, where I'm at now, and Brit Great Britain have what are called essentially royal commissions. They have former judges, former deans, former you know, prominent people who serve on commissions like the 9-11 Commission. We did have a 9-11 Commission, and that worked quite effectively. And I'd love to see a commission appointed of people who are really knowledgeable and can look into uh, the impact of a government on a private media and the impact of private media on the government, the relationship between the two. I think that's a, an area worth pursuing and an area which affects the rights of every, uh, every American. And uh, so, you know, three cheers for the people who are responsible for producing uh, this information. And there's nothing definitive yet, but there's enough to raise a, a real concern about whether or not um, government actors um, had an influence on, on Twitter's decision based on the desire of some of these government actors and some of the people who work for Twitter to see one party rather than the other party uh, elected. Again, I want to do this in a nonpartisan way. For me, this is not about who won which election or whether the election would have been different. For me, it's about the future. I want to know, I want to be assured that the thumb of government, the heavy thumb of government is not on the scales of what gets shown or not shown on, on social media. You know, I can understand where the government might want to censor uh, health information, uh, which they believe might kill people if it gets it. Uh, gets published. That's very different than political um, information about which people can reasonably disagree. So let's have your letters on all these subjects and um, see you from Israel again um, uh, tomorrow night.